Blog Talk Radio. February 16th, 2011, the second of two sessions on workforce optimization, analytics demystified, with a special guest, Bill Durr. Today, for part two, we'll focus on the customer side of things, and again today, be ready to email, because when we give the word, the first five people to email me will get a free copy of Bill's latest book, Analytical Workforce Optimization Demystified. Now, if you're listening live today, we invite you to be a part of the show and ask questions. And here's how you can do it. You can, first of all, email us at brian at benchmarkportal.com. You can also, if you're logged into Call Talk, just chat with us at calltalk.tv. You can also ask us a question by calling in the number 347-857-3117. Make sure to press the number one on your phone to let me know you have a question. That includes all the people that have already called in. Now, everyone who asks a question through email or phone on the show will receive a free copy of Bruce's book, Benchmarking at its Best, and one person will be chosen at random to win an in-depth reality benchmark report valued at $1,500. Now, for some big news, we're going to change the schedule of our show from here on out, but we need your input to finalize it. So first, we're going to go to once a month. Secondly, we want to make sure that the day and time work well into all of your very busy schedules. So please go to our website today, calltalk.tv, and vote for the day and time that work best for you. All right. I want to remind everyone that, of course, all our shows are archived and available to listen to at calltalk.tv any time of the day. So with all that being said, let's get this show rolling. And then I'd like to introduce the host of Call Talk, Bruce Belfiore. Take it away. Okay, thank you, Brian, and welcome back to Call Talk, everyone. Today's topic is workforce optimization, analytics demystified, and today we've brought back our expert on the topic for you, Bill Durr. Bill is a 25-year industry veteran and has held a variety of sales, marketing, and management roles for major contact center vendors and worked as a consultant for centers challenged with meeting performance objectives. He has practical experience with most contact center technologies including workforce management. Bill Durr serves as Principal Solutions Consultant for Verant Witness Actionable Solutions, is a frequent speaker at industry events, and is author of numerous articles and white papers on contact center technology and management. He's also published four books, speaking of which his most recent one, Analytical Workforce Optimization Demystified, will be given to five lucky listeners a little later during our live broadcast. Now it's my pleasure to introduce Bill Durr. Thanks, Bruce. Happy to be back. Had a lot of fun last month. Heard from a lot of people who listened into the conversation. Want to give a shout out to Kathleen. Won't embarrass you by saying your last name. Okay. Well, good. You've got your groupies there. That's great. Uh, <laughs> no, it's uh, you know uh, your old title was uh, chief evangelist in the uh, Blue Pumpkin days, and customers are are certainly the ones who need to see a little grace from call centers these days. And, and last month, we talked about employee side of analytical workforce optimization. And this month, we're going to shift the focus to the customer side. And uh, so it, I think it's something that's very topical, very necessary. 
Um, you know, when it comes to credibility and call, center, call centers, I, I think we do better than Congress, but uh, not always that much better. So we're anxious to learn how workforce optimization can can really benefit the customer experience and uh, help those listeners on the phone who are trying to really do the best they can by their customers. Bill, what what are your thoughts here? Well, you, you know, if people find um, that workforce optimization, of course, um, has a, a natural linkage to improving your workforce. So that's readily understood. But uh, workforce optimization, particularly in the past, three years or so um, has added a whole new dimension, um, and that is a, a, a focus on the customer. Um, and, and there's a reason why uh, suddenly there's a lot more focus on trying to understand customers. And, you know, if you'll let me run on here, I'll mm-hmm. explain why. You, um, you, you run right on. You run right oh, on. <laughs> okay. So we're in the in the United States and in fact in a lot of western industrialized nations we're in the middle of something quite unprecedented in in demographic terms the baby boomers are starting to get to the retirement age and they're going to be exiting stage right um the millennials or so-called generation y is just beginning to enter the workforce and certainly changing the dynamic there but even more important the millennials are starting to become and promise to become over the next 10 years the driving force in our economy in terms of uh, consumption and purchases. And frankly, the reason that workforce optimization has turned its eye towards the uh, customer is because of this demographic shift. Now, I've never been one to believe that millennials are fundamentally different from baby boomers or Generation X cohort, but they are different in some very interesting and important ways. Two that strike me as being very important for the contact center are, number one, millennials don't talk on their smartphones, they text. And so (laughs) contact centers are going to have to come to the realization that they're not going to convince millennials to start talking. Um, Millennials are going to expect contact centers to start texting. Um, The other thing that millennials are pretty well known for is their total mistrust of organizations and institutions. What they do trust, who they trust, are themselves, and that's what's been propelling the rise of social media. They tell each other through social media channels not only what they're doing and where they are, but what organizations they do business with, what kind of experiences they have with these organizations. And that is the real problem that contact centers and enterprise face with, this, with, with millennials is their inability to speak to them directly and, and to convince their uh, purchasing decisions. Mm. Yeah, no, these are uh, really hot topics, and uh, I'll be interested to – hear how you uh, tie this into the workforce optimization component. And, and you're right about the uh, texting, not talking. Uh, I was in uh, uh, taking a bunch of Boy Scouts up to a backpacking trip, and um, one of the kids in the back seat, we have a three-seat SUV, and one of the kids in the back seat texted my son in the front seat. <laughs> I said, William, can't you just turn around and talk to the kid? <laughs> Is this really necessary? But uh, that is the way that they, they, uh, they're they much more uh, comfortable with that than the face-to-face. 
And so that means that we have to be able to uh, have our call centers uh, utilize that channel as well, which means that that has to be part of the workforce optimization equation, doesn't it? Exactly. And so some of the tools that uh, workforce optimization uh, has created in order to give contact centers better insight into this new breed of customer are uh, speech analytics, text analytics, um, uh, and customer feedback. Um, there's been a lot in the press about speech analytics. I've always been impressed with that technology. Um, you know, when, you, when you sit back and, and think about it, it's almost astonishing that um, somebody has been able to create a software program that can listen to recorded conversations and tell you what's going on inside those conversations. The, the beauty of the technology is that it can listen to all the conversations, something that nobody can ever do, um, and, and give you some statistically valid information about why people are calling, why they call you back, what sales techniques work, what um, objections are being raised by customers, even down to how they kind of feel about doing business with you, the emotional content um, that's often layered in these conversations um, is, uh, is, is made um, uh, exp explicated. The other thing, the other tool that there hasn't been uh, a great deal of conversation about yet is text analytics. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm reminded that uh, organiza uh, people talk to organizations a lot, but they also write to organizations a lot. Now, it's no longer white mail. That's pretty much passe. Mm -hmm. but, but, but people send tons of emails uh, to organizations. What's being said inside those emails? Are there common threads? Um, is, is there some emotion inside those uh, email messages that we should be aware of? That's what um, text analytics is all about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and here you use the word common threads, and I know some people, particularly in the insurance industry and some of the others, are also looking at common threats because if uh, some people are coming up with the same complaints over and over again about certain products or certain processes, uh, then uh, it's something that needs to be understood not only for good customer service, but also for protecting the company uh, on a legal basis as well. Okay, and, and so as we think about how we structure our workforce and optimize our workforce, uh, how should we take these elements and, um, and, and you know, work them into the equation? Well, the, the, the mistake that I think some organizations, contact centers, are beginning to make is uh, that they're not fully integrating these other channels into the processes uh, that they've already developed uh, mm. around voice conversations. Right. Um, there's literally no reason why all the emails coming in uh, to an organization can't be uh, forecasted scheduled for in workforce management. There's no reason why email responses can't be assessed for quality mm -hmm. um, and quality uh, scores be given to um, agents uh, about how they respond to email queries. There's no reason why coaching can't be um, extended uh, in, into that sphere so that we maybe have some writing classes and, uh, and, and things of that nature. Because remember, in the voice world, we've, we've coached agents about pronunciation and diction and the power words that, that should be used. And those same kinds of, 
uh, approaches need to be um, constructed uh, for uh, these other media. Mm-hmm. Um, the the thing that worries me a little bit is that um, speech and text analytics, and in particular when text analytics is directed towards social media, um, it's not the contact center, it seems to me, that's driving organizations into social media. It's the marketing organization. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is uh, um, a potentially serious loss of control for the contact center. Mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm not suggesting that the contact center managers march down the hall to marketing and demand um, <laughs> uh, that they turn over the social uh, the social media keys, but they really need to get into a partnership with marketing be- between marketing and the contact center. They'll figure out what to do with uh, social media. Uh, this is a great point, and uh, we launched a social media course. I uh, just had it in uh, San Diego last week, and this topic came up a couple of times because it is true that, uh, generally speaking, the social media function is under marketing. And yet, uh, when you think about it, it is an absolutely essential point of contact between the customer base or potential customer base and the corporation. And if we're the customer contact function, then shouldn't we be involved in that? So, in fact, one of the tough love messages was, yes, you do need to march yourself down to, uh, to, to, to marketing. And if not actually take over the function, at least demand a, a spot at the table, nicely, of course, but Make sure that you have a spot at the table. And we had one uh, participant uh, who said, you know, she did go and talk to the folks in marketing, and they basically admitted they really didn't know what they were doing. They had this uh, young person who they'd taken on and, and, and weren't managing very well, and would she like to take on the responsibility <laughs> of managing the person? So she went down just to ask for a place at the, the table and ended up taking over the function, which uh, was kind of interesting. So I think that there's a lot of, but it does point to the fact that so many companies have this function. They've put it in there because they feel that they have to uh, so that they can say that they've done it. But it's not really necessarily properly managed. And uh, in terms of uh, the call center function, you need to be at the table. And in certain cases, you need to be one of the checkoffs on a particular initiative saying that you know about it so that you can then actually deal with the consequences and fit that into your your workforce optimization as well. Right. So, you know, I've seen some contact centers kind of Mm -hmm. reacting out of fear mostly Mm -hmm. uh, about what's what's potentially happening to their brand out in social media land. Uh, So they assign some people to monitor a couple of sites that they think uh, uh, might be relevant to, to to their business. And, and while I think that's probably a good idea, um, I want to remind everybody, and I, I take every opportunity to, to do so, that um, the United Breaks Guitars catastrophe of about a year and a half ago is a quite instructive lesson. Um, for, for those people who don't remember that situation, a, a musician um, was traveling from Canada to the Midwest of the United States, changed planes in Chicago. He had made the mistake of checking a very expensive guitar as luggage. And uh, he saw the luggage handlers uh, literally tossing his guitar around, and they damaged it severely. So he started a nine-month process of calling United and sending them email messages 
um, trying to get compensated for this guitar. <laughs> After nine months of wrangling through different media with the organization directly, um, he threatened that if they didn't <laughs> reimburse him, he would start publishing songs that would uh, be injurious to United Airlines. And in fact, he did, and he put it up on the website free. Nobody had to buy the song to hear it. The song went viral. It was quite a catchy tune, mm -hmm. and it caused United Airlines um, serious uh, loss of, of uh, uh, consumer confidence, kind of highlighting uh, something that we, we all kind of fear, you know, our luggage being lost or damaged. Mm -hmm. the, the point that I make for contact centers is this. Yes, he did go to social media. It did go viral, but they had conversation after conversation, email after email, if they had been looking at those carefully with speech analytics and text analytics, they could have understood and headed off this thing before he ever went to the social media site. Right, right. No, and this, uh, I think, plays into your point number two with regard to distrust of corporations, but trust in each other. And certainly he has tremendous credibility, right, <laughs> in the marketplace. And United took a, a huge hit on that, um, and and yeah, the I guess uh, with regard to workforce optimization too, one of the points here is that you need to have somebody listening, and you need to have somebody participating in the conversation. You need to have the um, uh, the technology, as you were saying, to scan this media in a way that individuals can't. But what can happen is that the technology can scan the uh, the media. It can pop up the red flags, and then people can deal with the uh, the effects of uh, what they see on the red flags. Would would you agree with that? Oh, exactly. And I think a, a great example of that is Comcast. You know, now um, most people don't have very favorable opinions of their cable TV supplier, irrespective of, of who who the company is. But um, Comcast has put together a small team of people. Who um, who just lurk in Twitter, uh, and they're looking for people who are tweeting about bad experiences with Comcast. And when they uncover one, they contact them through Twitter um, and offer um, help, resolution of their problem, um, additional information, um, and they have literally created this huge presence for themselves on Twitter. Now mm -hmm. you can imagine. The uh, millennials yes. are seeing Comcast in an entirely different light uh, than, than, frankly, I do because I, I don't yet use Twitter and um, I have to call their contact center. It's not always the most pleasant experience. <laughs> I can't imagine that you aren't tweeting every day. I just can't imagine that, Bill. Can you? <laughs> anyway, we have a question that's come in, Brian. Yeah, I've got a couple questions, and uh, one, I just want to acknowledge David. Thank you for sending in your questions. Sounds like we've already answered it, but I'll let you guys be the judge. Uh, David asks, is social media another method millennials use with text in addition to the texting? Mm. Oh, well, you know, absolutely. The, um, they they apparently love to to tell the world about what it is that they're doing, what they're buying, what their experiences were. Um, from the sublime to the ridiculous, um, it, it's uh, it's as if uh, every person has become a broadcasting station, <laughs> um, and they're just broadcasting to the world 
um, their lives. It's quite interesting. I I haven't brought myself to do that yet. Um, You know, I'm a baby boomer, and I have these uh, archaic notions of privacy. But... but uh, you know, who I will I be a say? follower if you ever decide to start, Bill. I will be your first follower. <laughs> you know, uh, there is a, the story that's told of uh, the millennial who was in line at a um, uh, rental car, car rental uh, place in Boston. Have you heard this story? Anyway, sure uh, he is has a particularly long line there, and so he tweets that out, and it goes into the the blogosphere. It is picked up by the car rental company uh, machines, and it's flagged to a person who then calls the uh, Boston office, and uh, they call out from the front of the front desk, Mr. Smith. We understand that uh, you know you have, you're in a hurry and everything like that. We're going to try to get to you as soon as possible, and we're bringing another person on the front desk now. And all of a sudden, what was a very negative comment? becomes incredibly positive in terms of what he's tweeting out to his uh you know to to his listeners. So Yeah, but I mean, that's, that's because that's because so many of us have gotten used to complaining and having nothing happen that we've almost stopped complaining, but the millennials uh, they stop complaining to the organization, they start complaining to everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Good. Well, uh, let's see. Uh, Dave, do we uh, answer that question, do you think, Brian? And or... I think so. I think so okay. very well. And I'm sure you guys know that uh, a lot of the uh, social media outlets that are available out there, they automatically track where you go. So uh, it's a very interesting world that we're moving into. But um, I do have another question, and this one comes from uh, Margaret. And uh, she asks, uh, any advice you can give contact centers about what technologies to pursue first? <clears throat> Uh, well, it, it pretty much is situational, I think, but um, in general, um, I would say uh, take a lesson from the United Brakes Guitars uh, case. Um, before you go charging off, expending a lot of resources, trying to understand what's happening out in the social media world, I think it probably behooves organizations um, to take a much closer, detailed, analytical look at what communications are coming into the enterprise, Um, what customers are saying and texting to organizations is a real good way of understanding and heading off uh, potential injurious situations that that may erupt out in in the social media space. So um, don't put the cart before the horse. I don't think it's appropriate to get out there in social media land without understanding first what customers are telling you, what's wrong with your company, how unhappy they are with this process or that process. Um, Get a handle on that, and you will have solved 70 to 80% of your social media concerns. Mm -hmm. Okay, I think that's uh, that's good advice. And, uh, you know, in, in terms of the technology, it's something that can be done step by step, and you should be listening to what's going on out there, uh, too, because you want technology that's not only going to surface problems, but also going to surface solutions. Let me drill into that a little bit more. And this is something that we've been advising clients on and uh, had a prominent place in, in our, our, our uh, course as well. But that is, as you uh, scan the, the landscape of social media, you will find that, uh, these millennials in particular, talking to each other 
have come up with better uh, solutions to FAQs. They'll come up with better answers than you actually have in your knowledge base for your uh, agents. And you should be aware of those as well and take them in and actually incorporate them into your knowledge base so that uh, and make it available to your agents. Perhaps even create some training around what you learn from your own customers. So it's really a very much a two-way street and can be not only a source of uh, you know finding out how people are unhappy, but also how people are using your products and uh, uh, really making the most of them. This is uh, sometimes called the super user phenomenon and uh, absolutely something that you should take advantage of and that can uh, help optimize your operations. Uh, Bill, yeah, any thoughts your, on that? Yeah, yeah. Well, to your point, Bruce, um, I, I heard somebody uh, speaking last week um, who I admire greatly, um, and she suggested that for an awful lot of contact centers, we've um, squeezed labor about as much as we can without without starting to make them yell. Um, and, and so there's maybe no more um, cost um, benefit out of out of uh, trying to optimize labor all by itself. Um, everybody has heard it said contact centers are people process and technology. So if we've already begun to largely optimize people, um, what else is there left to do? It's the process. Um, mm -hmm. It's very difficult usually to go into an enterprise and find somebody who's responsible for process. Mm -hmm. um, you find people who are responsible for pieces of a process, and so there's nobody who stands back and looks at the entire um, process picture. Mm -hmm. I, I think that's probably the next frontier for contact centers, taking a long, hard look at all the processes they have in place, some of which have just kind of like topsy grown year over year, accreting layer after layer. Um, and now the millennials and others are going to start telling us uh, straight to our face or to each other that these processes that we've grown and nurtured and cherished across all these years don't make any sense. <laughs> yeah, you're talking about our kids talking to us, right, Bill? <laughs> it's the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, unfortunately. <laughs> oh, that's okay. We'll make it through. We'll make it through. But I, I think that's a great point. That's a great point. Uh, Brian, do we have another question? Yes, we do. This one comes from uh, Bob, and he says that we have a blended call center, inbound, outbound, email, and chat. We started with workforce management for calls only and feel overwhelmed with the new channels. What do you suggest? Mm, okay, yeah, this is right yeah. in the thick of it, isn't it? Right. So um, th this will sound overly simplistic. It, it seems to me like the, the reason Bob's overwhelmed is because he doesn't have these new channels um, inside of his workforce management system. If, mm -hmm. if all he's doing is forecasting and scheduling for calls, then I, I think it's going to be very difficult uh, for them to, to be successful as a blended multimedia kind of a contact center. Mm -hmm. there, there are workforce management tools. Um, I'm not going to get uh, uh, too specific here. Uh, but there are plenty of workforce management tools that allow organizations to forecast and schedule uh, for these various kinds of media. 
And uh, increasingly, we're seeing agents who have multimedia skills. They're capable of dealing with a phone call, an email, a text uh, message, a web chat session. Certainly, we're not going to ask them to do those things all at the same time or one after another because there's this notion of uh, getting into a rhythm with a particular media. Um, but, but workforce management can identify when it's appropriate for an agent to say stop taking telephone calls and start handling the email backlog. Stop handling the email backlog and get back into the phone queue. So um, that's, that's the way out of that sense of being overwhelmed. Right. And, uh, you know, uh, I've seen a lot of centers, <clears throat> particularly the smaller centers, where they've, uh, you know, some of them are still spreadsheeting their uh, workforce uh, management. And so if they've gone from that to a uh, workforce um, a workforce uh, application, which helps take care of the telephones, uh, they already feel that they've made the big leap. And then all of a sudden they have all these new channels to take care of. I think there's a lot of people out there, Bill, with older technology uh, that need to think about upgrading it so that they can handle these new channels better. Yeah, I would agree, Bruce. There, you know, we still see particularly small and medium centers uh, using spreadsheets for forecasting and scheduling. You know, quite frankly, some of the forecasting uh, parts of those spreadsheets are ingenious and clever and very accurate. Uh, but spreadsheets just don't work for scheduling. You end up with fixed schedules that almost never change, even though your volume is changing, and the mix of the uh, contacts are changing. So that that's really what drives people um, to workforce management software is the scheduling part, not the forecasting part. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very good. Okay. Brian, do we have one more question? I think we're kind of at the bottom of the hour, but we might be able to squeeze one more in. It's okay, Adam. We'll see if we can squeeze this in. It seems like a pretty big question. This one comes from uh, Emily, and she asks, uh, we are a global company with a follow-the-sun strategy. We have three centers in the U.S., Europe, and the Philippines. So optimizing with different times, volumes, cultures, holidays, attendance habits, etc., is a challenge. So, Bill and Bruce, do you have any advice? <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> I become a lot more religious uh, and light candles. Um, <laughs> there you go. Well, for a chief evangelist, it seems to be perfectly normal to do that. Okay. I, actually, I was being I was being facetious. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't I don't want to sound like a a one note um, uh, pony here, but um, the the better workforce management systems um, can treat your three centers uh, around the world. Um, as one center uh, in certain ways, but also um, um, uh, understand and, and, and consider the, the differences that the questioner pointed out in terms of um, attendance and holidays and things of that nature. So while you want to treat your follow the sun centers around the world as a single virtual entity, you really do need a software that um, takes it one step deeper, drills down a little deeper, understanding the performance and attitudinal differences um, that invariably exist in far-flung centers. Yeah. You know, one thing that I would add to that is uh, the, there's that phrase, think global, act local. 
And with the proper technology, that's exactly what you can do. Um, uh, I'm sorry, who was the uh, questioner there, Brian? Emily? Emily, I'm I think sorry. That that's what you Emily. can do is to, you know, think global, act local, have all those things taken into account. And there's an additional advantage, which is the following. Uh, obviously, when you have uh, centers that are flung across the world like that, there are going to be performance differences. And uh, the fact that somebody is uh, acting up to a certain level of performance can become the bar for the other two centers. And, in fact, if you're really good about how you utilize that and make it so people feel challenged and not simply you know, put down, then you can, uh, in terms of attendance, in terms of some of these other performance measures, uh, hold those, uh, uh, the, the uh, high performer up as a goal for the others and say, heck, they can do it, we can too. And right. uh, so you can actually end up improving your overall utilization and, and uh, your overall productivity as a result of uh, not simply taking into account those differences, but actually leveraging them. So, uh, Bill, anything to add to that before we close out here? No, I think you I think you nailed it there, Bruce. Okay, good. Well, listen, Bill, it's it's always a pleasure, a lot of fun doing these with you, and uh, thank you very much for being on. And Thanks with that, I'd like me. to hand it uh, hand it over to uh, to Brian. Yeah, well, thank you guys so much uh, for all the insightful discussion you guys brought to us. And uh, I want to remind everyone before you go, please remember that we uh, need to get some input from you as far as when to host this call talk and what's most convenient to you. So please go to calltalk.tv, and there's a two-question survey we ask that you uh, fill out for us, and that way we know what time and uh, what day actually works best to hold this. But also remember earlier when I mentioned that we were going to give away five of Bill's book, Analytical Workforce Optimization Demystified, well, now is the time. So the first five people in my email with the topic line as WFO will be winners. So send it to brian at benchmarkportal.com. That's spelled out B-R-I-A-N at benchmarkportal.com. And please include your shipping address, and we'll get that to you. So good luck, and keep in mind this giveaway is for our live listeners only. Now, also want to give away our free in-depth reality check to the, one of our listeners who asked a question today, and that is David. Congratulations, David, and make sure you also email me so I can get you that as well. So I want to thank everyone for listening in, and as always, it's been a great show. Don't forget to sign up for our free reality check benchmark report to see how your call center compares to others in the industry. Our in-depth reality check benchmark report takes a much deeper dive into call center metrics and, again, is free today for David. From all of us at Benchmark Portal, I'm asking you to keep those headsets steady and your fingers ready. This is Brian Carrington signing out. Have a great day. That's a wrap. Take care.